Yo, what's up, Exchange? Y'all looking good today? All the way in the back over there, y'all look good too. I see y'all. It's good to see everybody today. Like Mark said, my name is Taylor. Most people around here call me Tay. And I am so excited to be here. Every time they let me on stage, I'm like, y'all let me up there again. I'm so excited. So today we are doing our last uh, section of our eyewitness series. And it has been amazing seeing how people in our ministry have seen Jesus, but also how people in the Bible are seeing Jesus. Now, like Mark said, Myra, who shared her story, is an amazing person. She does all the lit graphics that you see. She does our Instagram. She's amazing. So if you see Myra, give her a high five. She likes, she likes to be low key. But Myra's the bomb. So today we're going to be talking a little bit about, you know, something that a lot of people struggle with, but we want to act like we don't struggle with. And um, I'm going to get into that in a little bit in a second, so I'm, I'm going to leave y'all on a little cliffhanger, but I just want to tell you a story because I like telling stories. So um, when I was younger, my mom used to put me and my siblings in all kinds of summer camps and things like that. Anybody else's mom signed them up for all kinds of stuff just so you wasn't at home asking her questions about when snacks going to be, when y'all going to eat next, right? We were in all kinds of things. So I grew up in Ohio me and my siblings. And so the first camp I went to, you know, tennis camp was awesome. I was like an elementary schooler and I probably wasn't very good, but I did get a trophy and I was so excited about it. Um, We also did a bowling camp where I learned the basics of bowling. And um, I'm sorry if you got whooped up on um, on during summer hangs when me and my brother were on the lane. Just know that if you bowl with us, you will be disappointed. I'm sorry. I'm telling you now. So if y'all invite us bowling, you'll already have your tissues ready. All right. So, um, and then another camp we did that was very exciting for me was the AMC summer camp. And that one was awesome because we got to see a different movie every week. Um, they were always playing older movies. I mean, it was for kids who are younger than 12. So, I mean, we might not have seen the movies before, but they gave us these snack packs. And the snack packs were always so awesome because they came with a drink, they came with candy, they came with popcorn. And I always got sour candy because sour candy is superior to chocolate candy. I don't care what y'all say. Uh, Yeah, I'm just saying, give me some Sour Patch Kids, we'll be besties, all right? So I would get that, but then there was a day where the AMC people, I don't know, they were just feeling like they wanted to shake it up, um, and they invited all of us kids to come play a game. And I told y'all already, y'all already heard me talking trash, right? We competitive in my house, so I was like, we playing a game, I'm going to win. This is serious. I was like 10, but I was like, we're going to play this game and I'm going to win. All right. So the prize of the game was that you were going to get to start the movie that everybody was going to see for the day. And I thought that was super cool, but I didn't even need the prize. I just wanted to win anyway, which I did. It was the hardest, most illest game of musical chairs you all have ever seen. But I was out there with the last chair with the, I was looking at, you're not going to win and I won, right? So I actually got to go up in the booth to start the movie. There was all these buttons. There was a big projector. And I actually, you know, there's only one button they let me touch. But after he got everything together, I got to hit the little button to start. And it was so cool because I got to see everyone just going from like chattering to themselves to changing everyone's whole experience with just the touch of a little button. And so today I want to talk about something else that's small that can change a lot of people's experience. It has the power to propel people forward, the power to chain people to a single moment for the rest of their lives. It has the power to build, the power to breathe life, the power to wound, and even the power to kill. 
And it's not a power tool. Like, y'all might be thinking I'm talking about an axe or like a, a saw or something like that. No, it's actually something we all have. And it's much, much more dangerous, if not even more dangerous than missiles in the wrong hands. And today we're talking about discussing the power of the tongue and taming our words and how our words can get away from us if we're not careful where they fall. So I know that this might be a topic that you might feel like, this ain't me. That's that guy next to me. I saw him talking about somebody last week. You need to be listening, Pete. All right, this is for you and Pete. Okay, so I know that this might be hard for us to listen to, but I want to challenge you right now to just open up your heart and let God examine where you might be falling short in this area. So let's pray. God, I thank you for everyone in this room under the sound of my voice that they might be able to have soft hearts when it comes to this area of taming their tongue. Your, your word says that we all struggle with it and that we shouldn't be ashamed of struggling with it, but God, we want to be closer to you as we struggle so that you might be able to help us through it. I pray that you would give people um, soft hearts to listen, ears to listen, and if they're a little offended, God, I pray that you help them through that too. <laughs> I thank you so much for hearing our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So our words can be a powerful ally. Everything around us that we see was set into motion by God speaking words and things into existence. If you read Genesis, you know that God spoke and things became. God said, let there be light and there was light. He said, let there be sea and there was sea. He breathed his life into man and he used, he used his breath to create all of us, to create mankind. We know that Jesus was the fulfillment of God's words. And in the Old Testament, if you're not familiar with the story of Jesus, Jesus is a cool dude. I mean, like, I worship him, so you should too, but we'll talk about that later. In the Old Testament, there were a lot of prophets hundreds of years before Jesus was even thought of that they were talking about the son who was going to come to save us. And then later in the New Testament, hundreds of years later, Jesus becomes the the son of man, the son of God. He is the word that became flesh, as what we were told in John. So if we look around at how God uses his words, he uses his words to create such wonderful and magnificent things. And by reading God's word, we can experience promptings from the Holy Spirit that cause us to, to change for the better. And on the flip side, if we look at how humans use our words, I bet we could say we as human, as the human race, we have a lot more difficulty in using our words the right way. In Proverbs 18, 21, we're told that life and death are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. Now, there have been many words spoken over us that did not breathe life into us, and they instead crumbled us. And sometimes the death we experience that the Bible talks about is not a physical death, but it's a death of some other kind, like the death of a dream, like the death of our self-worth or the death of our identity. Many of us have been crumbled by words from people who were supposed to love us, people who were supposed to be our friends, who were supposed to raise us and encourage us, and we were crumbled by them because they didn't use their words carefully. In fact, I would say most of us in the room have probably experienced some kind of harmful consequence from the words that people have spoken over us. When you were younger, you may have had someone speak words over you that still haunt you to this day. Like maybe you were told you were too dumb to do anything, and so now you're in school or you're in career doing the bare minimum so that you can get by because you don't feel like you're smart enough to pursue something greater. Or maybe you were told in middle school that you were ugly by the boy you liked. And now you don't leave the house without a full face of makeup. And now you make sure every post that's on your Instagram is perfect so that no one can perceive you as ugly and unlovable anymore. 
Or maybe you're a man and you didn't know how to really express your tears and your feelings when you were younger and you trusted somebody with your emotions and they told you to pack it up. They told you to shove it down. They told you that real men don't cry. And now you're an adult and you have anger issues and you don't know how to express yourself because someone spoke over you that you could not express yourself. I also didn't escape this when I was younger. I, I remember so distinctly, there was a time we were having dinner at my, my family's house. It was a family dinner. And one of my uncles, he took a look at me and then he just spoke to my mom. He didn't even talk to me. He was like, you just let her eat? I wasn't even that big. I was little. I'm, but, but even if I was, like, why was that necessary for you to say to a teenage girl? You know, so that caused me to grow up and be in high school and think that I was just ugly. I was fat and I just couldn't fit into anything, which none of those things were true. But he didn't speak life into me. And so that is something I carried with me for years. And speaking of high school, I had a teacher in high school. I remember telling my whole class that we were going to be mediocre and we had mediocre lives to look forward to after graduation. I just can't believe the things that people will say to each other when we're supposed to be speaking life. On the flip side of that, I bet you remember sometimes people did speak life to you. And maybe it was your parent telling you that they were so proud of you for getting that grade or so proud you cleaned your room or made your bed when you were little. Or maybe it was a coach you had that told you you were a great athlete and you were going to grow up to be something awesome. I remember there was a time I was in culinary school and this particular class I had in school was breakfast class. And this particular breakfast class was mad early in the morning. It was at 4 a.m. The class started at 4. That means you had to get up at like 3 to get up and go to the class. And we were all, you know, there half tired. Very, it was a very rough seven days that I had to do that class. But the chef I had in that class, his name was Chef DePaula. And Chef DePaula, this was his regular schedule because he was the teacher for breakfast class. So, you know, he was already up on game. He would come in, good morning with his coffee, being all extra loud. We're like, Chef, it's 4 a.m. Calm down. But Chef was a savage at 4 a.m. Nobody was ready for him to be savage at that hour. He would come around to people and criticize their food or, you know, knock things over. I mean, a lot of the chefs I had in school were really extra, and he was one of them. And one day, I had to make an egg to go on top of, like, a shushuka, which is something random, I don't know, for breakfast class. And I was half asleep when I made it, just like everybody else. Chef came over to my station, and he's like, who made this egg? I was like, I did, Chef. In my mind, I'm like, this is where I die. This, I'm never going to become a chef. I am going to perish right here because chef is about to rip me apart. And he was like, this egg is the best egg I have seen in a long time. Everybody come look at this egg. It is so great. I was like, oh my God. My soul left my body and came back. And I was like, man, I can do anything now. I am amazing. Because Chef DePaula said I'm great, so I'm great. So, I mean, there's words that, yeah, people can say that hurt us, but there's things that can also give us life, and we've experienced life and death all together coming out of people's mouths. It can be easy to think that a poor choice of words is someone else's problem, and that's not ours, but I feel like we all really do struggle to watch our words. Like, especially when, like, you find out some real interesting piece of information about somebody. And our culture, we really egg it on. We, we call it dirt or tea. Yeah, y'all know. Don't be spilling tea. That's not good. The Bible does not ask us to spill tea. 
we, you know, we, we hear these things and we're around them and we don't want to have FOMO. We don't want to miss out on what's happening, especially when you're with your friends and, you know, someone starts it up. You don't want to be that guy, the, the holy guy. Oh my gosh, here's this guy. Can't talk about anything around him. You don't want to be a killjoy. And maybe like Myra, you were hanging around with the wrong people and these wrong people always influence you to talk trash. It's easy for us to get wrapped up in gossip and whispers about someone else and feel morally superior because we aren't going through their particular struggle. And especially when our friends are in on it, I feel like it can get super easy. Gossip is destructive. We know we aren't supposed to talk about people, but we know how easy it can be to get caught up in it. And you might still be thinking, yo, this isn't a me problem. Like, when indeed it might be. Like, think back to the last time you and your friend had a conversation about somebody you know, and now think of the context of that conversation. Was the information that you were sharing, was it like, man, she's so great at this, she's awesome, like, I really want to be like her in this area, or was it tea? (laughs) Was it life-giving words, or was it information that's just chatter? Like, life and death being in the power of our tongue is so important, and are you really giving the right weight and credence to that? You might be saying things that are true, and a lot of times people might think that gossip is just false statements, like rumors that are being spread, but that's not true. Gossip doesn't always have to be false, but it is information being shared that is not necessary for healing or development, or, or it might just be you're sharing it to savor in someone's sin. I know I experienced this a lot, you know, being around a lot of gossip when I was a server. I was a server at a popular restaurant, and I feel like the servers, that's like how they got along. That, anybody who works in food service know that this might be a common thing. I see a couple of head shakes around the room. It might be a common thing where you work too. It's like the servers come back from serving a table. They're like professional actresses. They're like, yes, here's your food. And then they go in the back and grumble. And then they all get around together and grumble together, and that's how, like, they make friends. But it's hard to be in the middle of a situation like that and then still push forward speaking life. Proverbs 26, 22 said, The words of a whisperer are like delicious morsels. They go down to the inner parts of the body. The Bible says that they're delicious morsels. Not like it's like, ugh, gossip. I mean, I guess I'll gossip if I have to. It's like, it's so easy to gossip because it's delicious, it's tasty, it's attractive. And it makes us feel good, like we're better, pe- better people than we actually are because we aren't doing what they are. Like, and we get high on the pride of being morally superior. And these whispers and little words spoken behind someone's back are gossip. We may think of them as like little harmless chatter, when you're in it, it's indeed a heart problem that you do need to surrender to God. We may think, oh, I'm just sharing this information, and it's true, so I'm not lying. I'm not a a gossip. But before you share any information about someone else that's not compliment or praise, think, what is my motivation for sharing this information? Are you being motivated by love? Are you motivated by pride? Are you being motivated by the fact that you know something that not, other peop- not so many people know and so now you've got social currency and you want to be in the loop because you found out something that somebody was doing that they're trying to hide and you don't want people to live a lie. So you're just going to go out and go ahead and expose that lie for them. Everything that's, that's dark has to come to the light, right? Is that your job? Ask yourself 
a couple questions before sharing information pertaining to someone else. I'm going to give you a couple. So the first thing you should be asking is, am I sharing this information for healing or hurting? Am I speaking life over this person or am I savoring their fall? The second question you should ask is, is the person I'm sharing this information with the right person to be sharing this information with? Is it just some random person walking by or somebody you like to talk to a lot and they always got dirt, so you got dirt and y'all just exchange dirt? Or is it someone who can actually build and help the situation? Am I getting joy by talking about someone's problem or struggle just because I'm not struggling with it? And you, this is really funny that people kind of do this thing where they like are not struggling with it right now. Like they were struggling with it yesterday, but not today. So like now they're better than that person today. That's still, still gossip. And four, am I excessively interested in a part of a person's life where I do not in, need to intervene? Am I minding my business or someone else's business? These questions will help keep us humble and our speech in the right direction. If we reflect and we think before we speak, we might realize that the words we're about to say, probably best kept to myself. Maybe I'll talk to them about, I'll talk to God about that later by myself. Matthew 15, 11 says, It is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth that defiles a person. Not only are you hurting others when you spread unnecessary information about them, but you're defiling yourself. You're hurting your own testimony. Imagine being somewhere and you know that, you know, you see somebody and they're interested in God and you're like, man, I want to tell you what God has done for my life. And they're like, you're a Christian. I saw you talk about somebody yesterday. I don't want to follow the God you follow. I don't want to be with the Jesus you're with. Because the Jesus you're with talks about people. Tears them down. And I don't want any part of that. You're throwing dirt on your own reputation, and you are a much less effective witness when you can't control your tongue. If you find yourself in a situation, and sometimes you don't even start it. You're like, oh, I'm just around. I'm just, your ears like, you eavesdropping. But you're not doing anything to stop it. If you hear somebody talking, and they're like, man, I feel like everybody, every job's got that one person that ticks everybody off. And everybody loves talking about that person. If you don't know who that person is, hmm. That person might be you. I'm just saying. Um, but anyways, regardless, you know, everybody might start a little chatter. They might be like, yo, Dave is so annoying. I hate Dave. The way he talks, the way he breathes. Ugh, Dave. Maybe in that instance you could go, you know what? I know Dave is actually working right now. We should go talk to Dave about that. Ooh, that would stop some conversations right there. They'd be like, no, 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 we don't want to talk to Dave. But like, why are you talking about him if you don't want to actually fix it? We have to stand up for people who are not around to defend themselves and be careful of standing in the presence of people who defile themselves. If your heart, if your heart is not truly inclined towards Christ, these are the things you're going to struggle with. If you want to be like him, then you need to bless and love people with your words. And if there's something you feel that someone is doing isn't quite right, take it to the proper source. Someone who can actually do something to fix it, like a boss or a manager or a pastor or a, a friend that they also know that can help remedy the situation. You know, I did tell you to pray about it, right? 
But let me tell you, there's a right way and there's a wrong way to pray about these situations. And some of us have been in prayer circles, you know, where the prayer might be a little other than pure. So I do want to give you all a little example of how not to do it. I do have a prayer request, but it's, it's an unspoken, so I can just pray for it when I pray. Okay. Daddy God, thank you for each and every single one of these women in this room. They are so beautiful, kind, lovely, smart, amazing, beautiful, talented, wonderful, amazing, talented, amazing, beautiful women of God. Mm. Inside and out. <laughs> Lord, I want to just pray for those who aren't here tonight, who are maybe skipping to do something that you probably wouldn't love. Um, Lord, I want to bring my unspoken and spoken prayer requests before you. Lord, you know my unspoken. It's about Elizabeth. I just want to pray for her because she recently got plastic surgery. And even though she's recovering well, obviously she's struggling with her identity. Clearly she doesn't like who you made her to be. So I just want to pray for Elizabeth tonight. Even though she's not here, I want to um, speak on her behalf. She needs you. Bad. <laughs> Bad. Um, and so I just want to pray for her. And then I do also want to pray, God, for my future husband. <laughs> Yo, like, that's so funny. Obviously, that's satire. But, like, how many times have we been in prayer circles and you're like, whoa, that was a lot of information about that person that you're praying. But are you praying? Like, just because you wrap it in a couple of nice words and you're like, oh, uh, everyone's so amazing. God, I love you. Um, and then you start exposing everyone's business. Like, that's not how you pray. Like, like I said, check your motivation before you start sharing information. Even in group prayer, we have to ask ourselves, why am I sharing what I'm sharing? In your alone time with God, you can tell him everything, but you have to be careful about what you're spreading about someone else's character in the presence of others. So you might be asking, like, is there ever an appropriate time to talk about something someone's done, or what if someone hurts me, or they hurt someone I love, and I want to ask people how to handle it? Well, Jesus, of course, in his infinite wisdom, has given us an answer to this question. He says in Matthew 18, 15 to 17, this is the message version, if a fellow believer hurts you, go and tell him. Work it out between the two of you, and if he listens, you've made a friend. If he won't listen, take one or two others along so that in the presence of witnesses we'll keep things honest and try again. If he still won't listen, tell the church. If he won't listen to the church, you'll have to start over from scratch, confront him with the need for repentance, and offer God's forgiving love. So at the end of these verses right there, you see the foundation laid for conflict resolution is God's forgiving love. And love is how we handle it when someone hurts us. First, we try to work it out with them. We go to them and say, hey, buddy. Hey, Dave. You breathe a little loud. It's, it's bothering the rest of us. If that doesn't work, maybe you take someone with you who is close to that person and you're able to work it out with them. The whole point is that we want to redeem relationships, not crush them. Our culture keeps telling us to cut people off. And that's not biblical. We have to try to redeem those relationships. If they don't listen to you and they don't listen to the couple of other people you brought with you, they say, tell it, Jesus says, tell it to the church. But what he doesn't mean is get a microphone and air out all their dirty laundry. He means take it to the next step. Take it to a pastor, somebody who might be able to provide wisdom to the situation. And then at the end, Jesus says, if he does not even listen to the church, you still love. 
you still proceed to speak love over that person. Even if they are still wronging you and they're still harming you, there's a difference between people being toxic and you staying in their, that situation and you deciding that you are not going to defile yourself nor them nor their reputation and you're going to honor God in the middle of someone hurting you. Extending love, regardless of how the conflict is resolved, is the key to making sure that we resolve conflicts the way God wants us to. And not spreading gossip just because we're hurt. And that can definitely be hard. But the thing about hard things that God asks us to do is he does not ask us to do them alone. God wants to transform our hearts and our intentions so that we're not mindless robots who just do. He doesn't want us to read the Bible and be like, I guess I have to do that because I have to love people. Who wants that kind of love? Nobody wants that kind of love. Matthew 15, 19 says, for out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, and slander. If that's what comes out of the human heart, how can we love if that's what comes out of it? How can we love on our own without having God to be there to teach us the right way to do it? We have to invite God in so he can show us how to interact in situations where we might want to get pleasure from talking about someone and, and what they're going through. We have to have a joy that is greater than the joy of hurting others or putting dirt on people's names and then defiling ourselves in the process. We need to ask God to make us new, to give us new hearts and new intentions and new desires for him. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. So I just want to take a moment for everyone to reflect. So if everyone could just close their eyes and bow their heads. I want you to take a little time to look within yourself. We're just closing our eyes, not because they're going to be transported anywhere, but just so that we can focus. So we can focus on... What has been going on in my own heart? Have I been using my speech to uplift others and bring life? Or lately have I fallen into savoring gossip for joy? If you haven't had the right intentions, then this is your time to ask God for forgiveness. Ask God to change your intentions when you share information. In your hearts right now, ask him to give you the words to say when you get caught up in a moment where people are not saying life-giving words and how to stop them from continuing. If you're sitting here and you're hearing a lot about how God can transform people's lives, but you don't even know how to get close to him because you've never accepted Jesus into your heart, unfortunately, you can't be made a new creation without the creator. And you need the creator in your heart to be able to transform into something new. There's so much joy to be had in him than, than there is talking about people. And he wants to give you new joy. He wants to give you a new heart and new desire. So right now, if you've never invited Christ into your life, and you haven't, or you haven't been walking with him, maybe you walked with him at some point, but right now it's been a little rough. I challenge you in your heart to pray this prayer. You can also pray it out loud in your seat. Say, God, thank you for bringing me here tonight. I need to be made into a new creation. I believe that you died for my sins. 
so that I can be made new in Christ. I know that I have sinned and I ask you to give me a new heart. And in Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. One more time, I just want to say a prayer for everyone in the room. God, I thank you so much for giving us these powerful, powerful weapons that we can use against the enemy, that we can build life into others, that we can speak life into others, that we might be able to breathe new life into others. God, I pray that you show us the weight that our words hold, that every time we open our mouths, that we would speak nothing but life, that nothing but growth and nothing but new things would come from the speech that we have in God. I pray that when we get into dark spaces and dark situations, that you would show us how to be the light in them, that you would show us how to salt the earth and you would show us how to live towards you and to show your face when we go into places and not our own. I pray that you would humble us and show us where pride might be infiltrating our speech. And I thank you for hearing our prayer in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, thanks guys, I love you.